so um, <clears throat> so this evening I'd like to respond to uh, uh, some of the questions that uh, you kindly put in the box the tissue box the great tissue box of questions <laughs> um, and uh, yeah so thank you um, for for bringing your questions uh, I actually have chosen to just address a couple of the questions which are kind of linked and so I, I just offer apologies to anybody whose question is not addressed but you might see why I've done this when I start into them. Um, and so uh, if I don't address your question, I hope um, you will bring it, you know, to, I don't know, me or another teacher or another retreat or your friends. So it's a real question for you. It won't go away. Um, so um, I hope... Uh, that uh, you'll forgive me for not picking up on all of them. Um, the the two I've chosen, I'll read to you, and uh, um, yeah, just invite you to um, hear them and see see what your response is. We'll go from there. With respect to recent political events and surrounding developments, I am still partly in a state of disbelief and seeing things that are such a shock that I do not know how to begin to meet this or respond. Any Dharma wisdom and guidance much appreciated. <laughs> and I, I think uh, I'll read the second one and then I'll... Yeah. As we start 2017, insights from you on how to enter, enter mindfully back into a country and world where anti-mindfulness and anti-love are being embraced by half of the US would be helpful. Many of these folks are colleagues and family members. Anxiety about this is happening and arising now while at the FR, while here at the FR. So, what happens? As you know, it's like, for me even just, I was this afternoon, you know, sadness, grief, and fear. Uh, inadequacy, um, you know, I don't know what to do, or anger, I don't know, I don't want to presume how that may or may not, you know, land, and maybe it's different at different times, isn't it, you know, and um, so I guess I felt moved to, um, and if offer this time and invite you to join me in that in whatever way makes sense to you as as we as we're together here to hold to hold these questions you know together 
in tenderness and care for each other and for ourselves mm. as we you know, feel the reverberations and the effects in different ways on retreat and off retreat, right? It's like, and as we contemplate and consider on our own and with others, like, you know, how to respond, you know. So uh, I, as I was considering this, uh, a sense of, uh, you know, inadequate, I, I don't know what to say. And I well, got to say something. Now maybe that's a kind of, you know, in our life, it's like, yeah, but, you know, feeling of incapacity or, you know, don't know or, and yet we are, you know, we're called to respond, to speak, to act. So in that spirit, you know, I just offer something and then just invite you to uh, let it go in one ear and out the other. Um, and just hopefully it will touch and bring some helpful reflections for you to carry further if you wish and not if you don't wish. Um. So one reflection that arose this afternoon was, you know, again, that um, so much of what our training is in, in meditation, in our Dharma practice on retreat in the world is, is really, it's, you know, isn't it f- for this in a way? It's um, for both the, you know, meeting difficult uh situations, difficult feelings in ourselves and others and like, you know, strengthening our capacity to uh, to meet that with, with care, with steadiness, uh, with clarity um, and to learn, you know, to at least have the intention to not, to not add more harm, to not collude, you know, to, to bring in some good energy. Somehow, yeah. Um, so, uh, I don't know, it felt important, like, sort of what we do here on retreat, it's, it's, it's really, then we, 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 you know, how do we bring, it's like, okay, we can bring that, we don't have to leave that here, we don't have to leave our skills and the wisdom and what we've learned and practiced in terms of meeting our own minds and the situations on retreat that can occur that are difficult and it's actually, you know, the conditions change and then the impingement is different and, and yet somehow it's the same practice. I don't know, I find that kind of and then it's that commitment and making that a priority and i you know i know i know sometimes saying that sense of um you know the busier you are and and challenging things in your life and you kind of know that sitting or doing formal practice whatever that is for you it's like you actually need to do more more not less right and i feel that that feels like 
you know, kind of that, like, allowing yourself the space, you know, that stopping, that pausing, which in the momentum of, of life and busyness and demands and things can feel, yeah, I know, I mean, that's t- at times, but isn't it, it, it feels to me like when you when you stop, when you pause, when you make space, when you, oh, you know, how is it in there? And you just like, oh, get a readout, I sort of whew, feel the reverberations and give it some time to, you know, be acknowledged that. And then it's like in that space, the resources, our inner resources that we've cultivated on retreat that they can come, it's like they, you, you're giving them space to come forth, right? If that makes sense. That's part of the reason why I think the formal is a formal practice, like, but that stopping or that, it could be you're doing it while walking, but you know what I mean? Like you're really just, okay. That those spaces are, that the, the, the resources we can, we can, they, it gives us access to them. Whereas you, you just keep going and you're doing and you're going and you're doing and then ah, oh, stop. You know, and it's so and it's so hard, isn't it? Because the everything is pushing you and pulling you. And whereas here, you know, conditions are rather supportive. For that. <laughs> it's like that's what you're supposed to be doing. Um, <laughs> But of course, momentum's happen here as well. We all know we get swept away, even here, in various ways. You know, and then you come out of it, and uh, oh, oh, what was all that about? Right. So, um, and and another thought, I you know, and I don't know, I may be wrong about this, and and you may disagree. So fine. I just feel like, especially when, you know, and I don't know, this makes me sort of old, I feel like maybe it's to do with age or something, like all of this information kind of overload, you know, and all the news and the, the way that you can feel like, you know, if I'm not plugged in to news 24 hours a day and, it, and feeling overwhelmed by it, then I don't care. I mean, I'm exaggerating slightly, but do you? Yeah? And I, I, I feel, like, and I see this as an exploration, so I invite you, if you're interested, to also, it's like as, a, as a, an exploration and a practice, like what, what would be the middle way? I mean, sometimes I think this comes up on retreat in terms of how much you're reading, listening to talks, <laughs> you know, what's the middle way there? <laughs> this can, I know from speaking from experience, like it can do a bit much and think, wait a minute, I'm just, you know. Mm. Um, so what would be the middle way with this kind of, you know, listening to news and all this kind of thing, you know, social media and all this kind of thing. And um, between, on the one hand, you know, just too much. <laughs> and on the other hand, avoiding. You know, right? That's kind of, I'll just... Because, you know, on the one end of the scale, it's just, you know, just exhausting. And, uh, 
you know, a lot of suffering. On the other end, it's, it's like, to me, I, I have the sense that that avoidance feeds fear. It breeds a kind of isolation and also possibly stagnation. So there's a just my sense of how if you just like, oh, I'm not going to bother with all that at all. You know, it's like, that isn't going a good direction either. So it's like, what's the middle way? And I don't have an answer, but um, I think my sense is that could be a helpful exploration and to not, it's a bit like Papancha on retreat, isn't it? You know, like somehow for not really busy, you know, figuring something out and analyzing something and, you know, they call it Dharma blah blah sometimes, you know. It's like somehow we're not really, you know, engaged. <laughs> so it's, you know, again, same but different. Uh, the skills that we learn with the, you know, sort of whatever it is, 24 hour news reels going on in our head about um, then, you know, past, future, self, other, you know, the commentator, commentating on everything, all of that. That actually, how to, yeah, I think how to relate wisely with that is not, it's, it's a kind of similar thing to this input of, of news and information. How much information do we need in order to, in order to act? You know, I sometimes feel like, and again, oops, I think there's some views sprouting here, but anyway, forgive me, hopefully they're not too fixed, <laughs> that myself, others, I, I feel like can be this tendency to feel like if we're again, you know, talking and thinking and debating and writing and reading, it's like that's, like we're doing something useful maybe <laughs> maybe right maybe not how much information do you need before you go do something say something right so uh, you know and again I, there's always like middle way because we also don't want to be going and you know throwing ourselves into this and that and then thinking oh no whoops too much but you know maybe even with that i think of Maybe sometimes action comes first. That's maybe, ooh, is that? Mm. Intention comes first. But to go and, and, and do something to find out rather than having it all figured out first. But, you know, put some caution around that. But I, I think sometimes, I think I look at my life and I think of things that I've just gone and done There must have been some good intention because they turned out kind of all right. But I would never have, you know, I would never have, oh, I'm going to go and do that. It's just, you know, somebody, you sort of put your hand up or something and say, yeah, okay. And you go and you think, wow, how, you know, had this happen? And there's something there which maybe there's this more direct kind of, ah, you know, heart, do. Heart, rather than heart, think, 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 think. <laughs> and maybe do. Maybe, maybe not. So, you know what I mean, probably. 
Um, so I wanted to share, it's interesting, isn't it? What happens a couple of things from, from some great teachers. I thought, let's bring them all in and get some help. Um, I just found it today. It was actually on um, the I- IMS um, Sangha newsletter. So it'll be there for you. Um, maybe I'll put this on the board as well. It's a message from Sharon and Joseph, Sharon Salzberg and Joseph Goldstein. And I wanted to share it with you because I thought it was so beautiful and concise and wise and maybe will help us in our sense of reflecting on, uh, you know, how to respond. So there's four paragraphs and I'll just share one and then say a little bit. So the first one. It's clear that our world is facing significant challenges Many of us are asking ourselves, how do we remain resilient in the face of upheaval? How do we keep an open heart in the midst of division? And how can our compassion fuel effective engagement? Aren't they great questions? And so what I wanted to highlight in in this is, is the power of questions. And, you know, maybe finding or, you know, our own question or questions or using questions like this to ask ourselves and maybe others, yeah, or to be asked or to do that, you know, collectively and to actually allow a kind of open space Right? So you ask a question like how, how do we remain resilient in the face of upheaval? And then it's like, okay, how? Hmm. Yeah. And a question like that can again kind of point us towards what we know already, have forgotten. Or maybe towards that we, we really don't know. Like, I don't know how to do that. Uh, but the amazing thing about a mind, or one, one of the many amazing things about it is, you know, it can learn, or, you know, they can, from others, or, you know, things can come bubbling up. So that, for me, a, a really good question, it might be this, it might be another one for you, it's like it, it clears away maybe some of the verbiage and the, you know, the fears and the judgments and the, you know, that the sort of, I don't know what to do, I don't know what to do, I don't know, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. wait a minute, <laughs> ask a question and wait, right? So um, it maybe helps slow down, you know, sometimes these things can be very speedy, don't they? When something feels very difficult, panicky, challenging, there's that sort of accelerative thing of, of, of reactivity. And, and so asking a question that's pointing us to, towards maybe our resources or towards, yeah, can help to like, oh, make a space, slow things down. So I just wanted to 
yeah, the power of questions. And maybe, I mean, I often find with something like this, like you, you, it can be really helpful to find your question or questions. What are they for you? Because almost like that reflection inquiry to f- actually finding the question, that that process of reflection is actually, it's like then, like what, what is the question? I mean, this could be, what is the question I really need to ask myself? You know? And then it's somehow it will grow up out of and be relevant to your life, your mind, you know, kind of uh, so opening up space, but somehow connected to your concerns, you know, sort of authentic, sort of rooted in not just, you know, what Joseph said. Or <laughs> well, that could be good too, but... You know, or maybe through a process of reflection, you take that kind of question from someone, you take it to heart and live with it for a while. Like the great koans in the Zen tradition. You know, it's very... um, Anyway, so enough on that one. So the second, I'll read you the second paragraph. Never has our meditation provided a more important foundation for appropriate response and wise action. The Buddha's words that hatred never ceases by hatred, but by love alone, challenges us to find that place of love within ourselves, particularly at those times when it seems most difficult. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., Ah, His Holiness Sir Dalai Lama and Archbishop Desmond Tutu all exemplify this possibility, reminding us that these are not simply words to admire, but to put into practice as best we can. So much in these, I know, I'll put it on the board. But what I, the piece I wanted to pick out of this paragraph is... uh, um, actually a teaching from another wonderful teacher called Akinchino, some of you know. It's teaching down the hill at the moment. And I want to share this with you. Um, I learned it from him here uh, about two and a half years ago and it keeps coming back to me. It's such a helpful little framework for uh, reflecting on our meditation practice. And I realize, I, th- I think you'll hear how these, med- these meditative equals and four essential meditative skills. So, you know, um, I think you could, you'll hear how, again, so relevant here on long retreat practice and so relevant to our practice in the world. Just... So I offer it to you as just one possible framework for, again, kind of that question of how the meditation can, can strengthen our capacity to, to respond. So the first one is the skill of stillness or stilling the mind. Yeah, and um, yeah, how do you do that? <laughs> I'd like to know, somebody tell me. Write me a note. No. <laughs> it's like, it's this kind of, obviously so uh, elusive sometimes. And, uh, it, it, you know, we can't always make it happen. But 
isn't there a kind of learning over time how to help steady the mind? You know, if it doesn't get absolutely quiet, maybe it gets 2% quieter. Great. You know? And I think that's significant. So in our life, when we sit and, you know, you've had a busy day and it's like, and you sit and everything's going like this, you know, or like this, or or for me, it often feels like this. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And then this wonderful image that I love from Thich Nhat Hanh of the, the glass of cloudy apple juice, yeah? This, you sit it on the table. Just wait. And what happens? The sediment settles. And the apple juice becomes clear. And that, you know, how, I don't know, you, you know, you probably all know this at times, you can be in a big storm and then moments later, minutes later, an hour later, it's like, I'm like, oh, I'm fine, it's gone. What happened? You know, that the stillness, the quietening, the the stilling of the formations, even a little bit or a lot, it's like, I think sometimes we think we can't, therefore it doesn't happen. Oh, I'm trying to be still, I don't know how to be still, quiet the mind. Why, how can I quiet the mind? Quiet, I've got to quiet the mind. It's such, so, shut up, mind! <laughs> Isn't that, is stirring up the apple juice, right? And we think we do that a lot, a lot, a lot. And maybe sometimes it's very subtle. It's almost sometimes the slight heldnesses in the body. It's like kind of hunkered down, kind of, sort of, you know, just sort of agitating away gently, quietly down in the thing. Maybe it's much more optional than we think and believe. I'm an agitated type of person, you know. I, my mind doesn't, can't, really? Isn't that, I don't know if you've had that experience I have at times, sometimes just kind of almost the word stillness or calm or just looking almost in that direction. And it's kind of there, like a wavelength, you know, just like, oh. Oh, I've got to do another retreat. I've got to do another fifteen retreats, and maybe. <laughs> then you can you hear like that belief, if that that actually will function as a an inhibitor, as a as a as a an obstacle. Um, so just a just a thought about that one. So the the the, the second essential meditative skill he describes, and I'm doing them fairly briefly. I hope. Stepping back. So this is the objectivity, being able to look at, you know, kind of observe. Uh, maybe in it's an aspect of mindfulness that the Buddha used the simile of climbing up a tall tower and looking down, right? It's kind of that, it's got a kind of coolness. Maybe some of us find that more natural than others. We can all... Yeah, it's a, it's a skill that can be developed. It's a kind of hmm, space, perspective, sort of widening. So stepping back. 
And all of these have serious pitfalls. I won't, I won't want to go into this whole thing, but anyway. So the third one can hear stepping in. Right? So stepping back. So like, and then, ah, stepping in. And that as a skill to be able to enter, to participate, to engage, to be disturbed, to feel uncomfortable, to not quite know what to do, but you go in there anyway with your good intentions. You get, you know, it's like willing to be in the messiness of things, our own minds, you know, relationships, situations stepping in this more like kind of being in the subjectivity just you know and yeah again it's a real skillfulness how to do that without being overwhelmed so again we have to keep with all of these there's a kind of you need resources we need to yeah and we need we need access to resources so that we can and then again like all of this of course you know it's a training isn't it we practice and we blow it and we we try again and we blow it again and but we we learn we learn by making mistakes <laughs> mostly at least in my experience so the fourth um meditative skill he calls um seeing the universals and this is sometimes you know the, the this capacity to bring in the wise perspective how how you can how can you look at things so that that it brings a kind of understanding a wise perspective uh, perhaps a wider view um the unsatisfactoriness you know, it's like that sense of, well, what do you expect? <laughs> life in the conditioned realm, life in, is like, aha. Uh-huh. And, and if, you know, when we deep, when we deeply, with these moments when we can actually align with that truth and not, not, you know, our energy is actually freed up from, you know, that struggle, you know, wanting it not to be like that, so that we can actually respond this very, um, so seeing the universals, yeah, this great truth of dukkha and being able to let that be the basis of response rather than a shut, shutting down of response. Things are unsatisfactory, sometimes extremely unsatisfactory. And of course the you know, the wise perspective of, of, of Anicca, of impermanence, change, things change, 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 everything's changing, is change. Governments rise and fall, civilizations rise and fall. It's this microcosm, macrocosm, yeah? Sometimes I go out into space and look at the earth. And, I, and seeing millions of beings being born and dying every moment. Yeah. And, and again, as a practice, a skill of bringing, how, how do we do that, you know, to, um, to again, 
help build a sense of resilience and strength and or responsiveness uh, has that that wider perspective so those are the four I could say a lot more about them but I I find that's such a helpful grouping and and I hope you can hear the way that yeah we, we can be developing those skills on retreat and off retreat stilling stilling the mind stepping away stepping in and seeing the universals so, yeah. so I hope this is of some help I'll keep going so, so the third paragraph from Joseph and Sharon there is no particular hierarchy of compassionate action We will each find our own way to respond and engage with the suffering in the world. But this is also a time when Sangha, our companions near and far on the Buddhist path to liberation, can provide a vital source of support and inspiration. We encourage you to nurture spiritual friendships that strengthen courage and resolve so that injustice and intolerance can be called out and addressed. These friendships are precious. They help sustain us as we seek ways to embody our practice in our daily lives and undertake sustained action. I know there's a lot in there, um, but it's very strong, isn't it? We encourage you to nurture spiritual friendships that strengthen courage and resolve so that injustice and intolerance can be called out and addressed. And I um, was recently given this wonderful book. It's one of my book-waving moments. The Book of Joy. And it's a really, I don't know, I love it, a beautiful a conversation between His Holiness the Dalai Lama and Archbishop Desmond Tutu um, with a really beautiful evocation of the event this week that they spent together by Douglas Abrams. It's just recently come out. And one of the things that just touched me so deeply is there are pictures, there's one on the front of the two of them, um, maybe you can see it and there's lots of wonderful pictures in here of these two wonderful beings having a lark you know laughing their socks off and and teasing each other and making jokes and just having a la- wonderful time and then there's these pictures of touching pictures of them just so you know touching touching the face and the arm around and this deep deep spiritual friendship I mean I just I don't know it really really touches me because it's this you know the sense of of how important they are to each other and how even though they, they, they don't see each other very often you can just tell that they sustain each other you know they they love each other and that really makes a difference in their lives. I just find that so, so touching. 
and something about friendship, spiritual friendship and you know, maybe we we can only have a very few if we're lucky at all to have a single one. Some the depth of friendship such as this, but to 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 you know find those friendships and nourish those friendships where you know it it, it you can feel that it, it is it, it's uh, supportive, it's life giving, it's challenging, it's questioning it's you know it has all this um strength and depth to it and how um we can't do this on our own you know it's like isn't it i I mean maybe there are things and individuals do do extraordinary things um I, I, I honestly, when I look at my life and I think of any good that I might have done, has been completely dependent on other people. And I can't, I can't separate it out at all. And the things I've been invited into and drawn into and found myself falling into, and <laughs> occasionally also sought out, that it, it, it wouldn't have been possible without other people. I just, I, I think that's such a, and, and sometimes I feel like what we really need is just the willingness to get kidnapped by compassion. Huh? It's like the willingness to be just, you know, to, oh, oh yeah, you know, I remember years and years and years ago and I was in a Quaker context and I was in a committee meeting you know, with the voluntary work thing. And somebody said, oh, we need somebody to go to Northern Ireland and check out and see if this project... And I sort of went, oh, I'll go. And I ended up being very, very much involved there over, over a period of about 10 years, doing work there and contributing to the peace process. All I did was put my hand up and say, oh, well, I'll go and have a chat with someone, you know. And it wasn't, it wasn't like big, grand... I'm going to save the world, you know. Oh, jolly good for me. <laughs> maybe I could, I could, maybe you have similar things in your lives, you know, where, anyway, I don't know, that seems to be how it's often worked for me, that I've sort of reversed into things, you know. I was like, oh, oh, I'm the forest refuge. How did that happen? <laughs> it's, you know, it's like people asked and nudged. I'm like, oh, okay then. <laughs> um, so making ourselves available for compassion, you know, it doesn't have to be this sort of Sisyphean task, get, finding a, let's go out and find a big boulder and try and push it up a really big hill <laughs> on your own. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is how we're doing. Yeah, I, I, Okay. There was there was more I was going to say, but actually, I think I'm going to pause. And before I share the last paragraph of Sharon and Joseph's message, um, I'd like to invite you just just for us to sit quietly together uh, for a while. And um, I was going to offer some guided thingy but I w- I'm not going to do that um, 
I would like to invite you to just sit quietly and feel together with everybody here, that you're together, we're together. And maybe just sit, reflect, or just be with yourself, however you feel, you know, however you feel like you want to be in the silence. But maybe just with um, some awareness of our, um, our togetherness, you know, our being one. So may we individually and together find and strengthen our great resources of heart, of care, of strength, of courage, of tenderness, because it's for our welfare and happiness and the welfare of happiness of all beings and of the earth. And I'll just conclude these reflections by sharing the fourth paragraph from uh, Joseph and Sharon. 
Over the past four decades, IMS has offered a refuge where compassionate insight, renewal and clarity can counter the destructive forces of greed, hatred and delusion. Strengthened by our time on retreat, we can return to our communities carrying the force of kindness and the power of our commitment to justice, inclusiveness and awakening. <laughs>